Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf mem vav. I'm going to go from the fourth last line of mem uh, mem hayamud beis 45b. And today she is Elunishas ben Zion ben Zev Avram Halevi. Now, remember in the Mishnah there were two points in the Mishnah. The first clause discussed regarding burning chometz, getting rid of chometz if it's used as part of the kneading bowl, almost as like a cement to hold the kneading bowl. That's what we discussed yesterday. And then the second point was discussing regarding that same chomets, that same dough that's used as a, again, as like a cement, a polyfiller of your kneading bowl, but regarding the laws of Tumah. So now what the, the second clause was a little bit dif- uh, difficult because the first clause basically said, it depends. If it's a, regarding Chomets on Pesach, it says if that dough filling up the crack is the size of a Kazayis, then you have to destroy it on Pesach. It's not bottle. If it's less than the size of a Kazayis, then it is bottle and you can leave it there. It's part of the bowl. And then we came along and said, So too regarding Tumah. Now what would you think so too regarding Tumah? And, and then, sorry, um, that it acts as a chatzitza. I, it's, um, we're going to see a few different ways of understanding that phrase, that it acts as a chatzitza. But let's just say, so, so to the Indian Tuma, what would you expect it to say? If it's more than a kazayis, then it's not part of the bowl, it acts as a chatzitza. If it's less than a kazayis, then it would not be a chatzitza. Because that's what it said. We started off with chomets and we made the distinction whether it's Bigger than a kazayis or less than a kazayis. And then we say, So it sounds like it depends whether it's the size of the kazayis or not. But then the Mishnah came along and said, Regarding Tumah, If you're particular about it, it acts as a chatzitza. If you want it there, are you wanted as part of the kneading dough? You want it as the cement, this polyfill of your kneading bowl? Then it's like the kneading bowl and it won't act as a chatzitza. So what the Gomorrah is going to ask in its first line is, wait, does it depend on a size or does it depend whether you makbid on it? Again, remember makbid um, means do you want it there or not? Would you remove it? The common place where makbid comes up um, yeah, I'll mention it now, is, I mean, we all know it in regards to going to mikvah. We know a person going to mikvah, and in the days of the Beis Amikdash, when they had to be tahor, etc., there was people were going to mikvah all the time, but you had to be careful about a chatzitza, about something separating between your skin and the mikvah, water. Now, doraisa, you're only liable if it covers a majority of your body, and you makbid, you don't want it there. So again, when's um, that's Doraisa. Durabonon, as soon as you either makbid or it covers a majority of your body, then you're not, uh, then, it's, then it's also Durabonon, it's a Chatzitza Durabonon, but Doraisa is not. So for example, I mean, it's hard to think. I think uh, the Kovetz, Rav Elchonon Vassaman, uh, one of the famous Rosh Hashivas pre-war, um, he, uh, he's got an, a sefer, very insightful, um, on the Gomorrah, and he asks, he says, when would you, I think it's his, him question, his question, when would you get a case of uh, something covering a majority of your body, you're up to your neck in mud, but you're not makbid, you don't mind it there.
So that's uh, it's something to think about. But again, but Doraisa, it has to be both covering a majority of your body and um, and you might be about it. You don't want it there. Dirabonin, it's either of those. So for example, as we said, it's either covering a majority of your body and you don't care that it's there. So that's not a problem, Doraisa. But um, um, but Rabbonin, it is a problem. Um, so that, or if you makpid, but um, you makpid, but it doesn't cover a majority of your body. So a common example with that would be, let's say, a woman whose nail polish has started to peel, or let's say she removes all the nail polish except she forgets some on, she forgets one nail. So there, that's something that it covers a minority, a tiny bit of her body, but she's makpid. She, she wouldn't go out like that. She doesn't want it there. She doesn't want to have just one nail with nail polish. So that would be also osudrabonin. And but strictly speaking, if it's mute, it's less than a majority, and it's the person doesn't care it's there, then strictly speaking, that's no problem at all. The Ramos says we still try and remove it. Um, but again, Bidiyeved, like let's say someone comes back from the mikvah or they came back from doing Tfilis Kalim and then they realize that they left the label on. It's a common question. You took your bowl, your glass cups to the mikvah, your ma- whatever it was, and then you find the label at the bottom that you forgot to remove. So there was a chatzitza. If you're particular, you don't want it there, well then it was, then Terabonon it was a, a chatzitza and you'd have to take, remove it into a good mikvah. But what happens if you don't care it's there? It's at the bottom of the bowl. Or, and uh, no one's ever going to see it, so you don't really care that it's there. Then, but yeah, but we can go lenient and say, look, it's less than a majority, and um, and you don't care that it's there. Interestingly enough, um, if let's say it's a it's a fancy brand, so you want the label on, so people see that you're using it. Again, it's the opposite of a of a chatzitza. You want it there. Okay, so that's just regarding hakpoda and chatzitza. But back to our question, let's go from the Gemara, um, third last line of Mem Hayamud, base 45b. It says, Mi dami hosom b'shiru tolyamilsa, hachabek peyda tolyamilsa. Bachomets are dependent on the size. Was it, uh, how can you compare them? Chomets and Tumah. Bachomets are dependent on the size. Was it a kazayis or was it less than a kazayis? That's whether you'd have to burn it or not, remove this dough from the cracks of the kneading bowl. But here it depends on whether you're particular about it. Do you want it there or do you not want it there? If you don't want it there, then it's a chatzitza. If you do want it there, it's not a chatzitza. So Amr of Yehuda, Rav Yehuda gives the first answer. He says, Don't read it as, so Read it as, by Tuma, it is not so. By Chomet on Pesach, it depends on Kazais. Not so, by Tuma, it depends on do you want it there or not? Hakpoda. It says, Omar Lea Baya. Baya says, um, It says, what do you mean? It's the Mishnah says, and so too regarding Tumor. You can't come along and tell me to read the Mishnah as, and not so by Tumor. It's the exact opposite of the, what the Mishnah says. Just an interesting side point um, that I saw in the Hagosia Vates. We said, Omar Lea Baya. So it sounds like Abaya is speaking to Rav Yehuda. Historically, that's impossible. At best, Abai was a very little, um, was a, a little boy 
when uh, Rav Yehuda passed away, if, if they even overlapped, and therefore it must be Omar Abaya, Abaya said in response to Rav Yehuda's answer, um, not but Omar Lay, that he said to him, he said to Rav Yehuda. But again, he said it can't be that um, Tum is different because the Mishnah says, so Ela Omar Abaya, Abaya explains what's the Mishnah, so now we're going to suggest a different answer. Hachi Omar, this is what the Mishnah is saying. Regarding combining Tumah on Pesach, it has the same laws as the Chomets on Pesach. But this distinction regarding Hakpada or not is the rest of the years. I Firstly, what's Tzir of Tumah? What's, what's joining Tumah? So we know for food to transmit Tumah, it has to be the size of a Kabeitzah. Do, let's say you have a little bit of food in that bowl. Does the dough that's being used as cement in the walls of the dough count as food that now you have a kabeza? Or do we say it's part of the kneading bowl and you have less than a kabeza? That's the first, but does it transmit tumma? There's a machloikes Rashi Tosfos regarding receiving tumma. Rashi says food can become tumma on any size. It just can't transmit if it's less than a kabeza. And Tosfos say no, both. It has to be a kabeza to receive tumma and to transmit tumma. But again, the question is, do you count this dough in the walls of the kneading bowl as part of the kabeza, or is it part of the kneading bowl and you don't count it? So on Pesach, it depends whether it's a kazais or not. The rest of the year, it depends whether you have pot, whether you particular about it or not. You want it there or not. Hey, dami, what's the case? We're going to ika pochos mi kabeza oichlin v'nogu bahai betzek if you have less than a kabeza of food and it's touching this dough in the wall of the pot, of the bowl, the Pesach, the Surah on Pesach, whereby the fact that if it's a kazais, it is osur, you'd have to burn it, that gives it, the Surah it gives it a significance. Mitzdarev, therefore, it would join with the other food to equal a kabeza. B'shaya Moishashon at the Bekpeda Talia Milsa in Makbir Olam Mitzdarev, him wrote to Bikyuma Hareuka Reva. But regarding the rest of the year, when it doesn't have the issue of comments to give it significance, then it depends on whether you're particular or not, you want it there or not. Matkif Lo Rova, Rova challenges a buyer. Now, they could have actually had a conversation, they lived at the same time. Um, they were the two leaders of, ba- of Babel- Babylonian Jews, Rova and Abaya. So Rova could actually be speaking to Abai and challenging him directly. He says, Miktani mitztoref, ktani. He says, how can you read the Mishnah and say that the question is, does the tumor, the, the dough in the bowl join with the other food? It's not, the Mishnah doesn't say tziruf, it says, chotzeitz. Does it act as an interposition, a separation? So Elam, Rova, rather Rova says, Third way of learning the Mishnah. When it comes to making the bowl tohor. Again, remember in their days they had to be very particular about all their kalimi in tohor. Because if they were eating korbanos in it or truma. So they had to be very careful about tohor. So any bowl that became tohor, they would want to purify it. Now what happens if... So he says, hey, chidami, what's the case? This kneading bowl became tome and he wants to tovel it in the mikveh. He wants to purify it. But Pesach, the Isurei Choshu Choytzeis. On Pesach, where the Isur of Chometz makes the dough in the wall significant, I have to burn it, destroy it. You, it, it acts as a chatzitza. When If you put that bowl in the mikveh, it's a chatzitza and it doesn't count. 
As tefillah, you'd have to remove the dough first and then put it in the mikveh. V'i salka lei, v'loi salka lei tefillah, and the tefillah doesn't help. B'shayim o'sashona, but the rest of the year, when it's got nothing to do with tumor or not, b'kpeida tolia milsa, it depends on kpeida. E makbid olav choitzeitz, if he's particularly, he doesn't really want that dough there, then it acts as a chatzitza. V'im rotza b'kiyuma, but if he wants it as part of the kneading bowl, harehu kareva, it becomes part of the kneading bowl. Aye, if he's relying on that dough as like the cement to hold the dough together, then it's part of the kneading bowl and it doesn't act as a chatzitza. Matke flora of popper, of popper challenges Rav, he says, that can't be pshat in the Mishnah. He says, mi ktani v'chayne inyan tahara. The Mishnah doesn't say, and so too regarding purification. The Mishnah teaches so too regarding it becoming Tome. Again, Rava came along and explained us the Mishnah is discussing a case of when you want to purify this bowl. Since the Mishnah doesn't say this, isn't discussing purification, it says V'chein le'inyan Tuma. So Elo Omar Papa, rather Papa says V'chein le'inyan lehoirij Tuma le'areva. It must be... Um, does the bowl become tome? Hey, dummy, what's the case? Kigon denoga sheretz bahai betek. If a sheretz touches that dough. So you see one of the eight animals, uh, one of the eight types of shrots and creepy crawlies that are tome, uh, if they did, and it touches the dough that's used, that's in the cracks of the kneading bowl. But Pesach, the Isur on Pesach, when the Isur makes it significant, choitzeitz v'loi nachtalei tuma. That dough acts as a separation and the bowl won't become tome. Why? Because the sheretz touches the dough and the dough is distinct from the bowl, even though the dough is touching the bowl, and food can't make kalim tome. So the bowl doesn't become tome. So the rest of the year depends on whether you want it there or not. But if you want that dough there, because it's holding the bowl together, then it becomes part of the bowl. And just as if the sheretz touched one part of the bowl, the whole bowl becomes tome. So too, if the sheretz touches the dough, which is part of the kneading bowl, because he's not makbit, he wants it there, then it's like attached one part of the kneading bowl, and the whole bowl will become tome. Okay, so we have a few ways of learning the Mishnah. Interesting enough, they're not necessarily arguing on the halachic principles. Rav Popa's not saying Rava got the halacha wrong. And, Ra- and R- Rava's not saying that Abaya got the halacha wrong. What they're saying is that can't be the explanation of the Mishnah because it doesn't fit in with the words. But halachically it could be true. And then Rav Popa ends off with the one that fits in best with the Mishnah. Again, a sheretz touching the, the dough in the crack. If you view that dough as separate and food, like on Pesach if it's a Kazayas, then it's the sheretz touching food which is touching the bowl, the bowl doesn't become tome. If you're saying that that dough is part of the bowl, well then it's like the share, it's touched part of the bowl, and the whole bowl would be tome. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Betzek hacheresh, death dough. What's death dough? So this is dough that you can't tell whether it, it, was, it had risen or not, um, whether it became chomets or not. Um, interesting enough, I mean, we always have the set time, and we'll see this is the sukkah that it comes from. If it's been 18 minutes, then it's chomets. If it's less, then it's not chomets. But uh, you'll see from this Mishnah and a few coming up, that they actually had ways of looking at the dough and determining whether it, uh, 
became chometz or not. But what happens if you look at this dough and it's better kacheresh? You can't see where you can't tell whether it became chometz or not. Why? Like a deaf person, when you look at him, he looks fine. He's got ears, but you actually because he's deaf, you don't know really what he's absorbing, what he's internalizing, what's he understanding, what's going in. So that's this dough. When you look at it. It looks fine, but you can't really tell what's going on inside of the dough. Is the dough chometz or not? So what's the halacha? If you made a, a similar batch of dough at the same time, and that dough became chometz, then you assume that this dough that you can't tell is also chometz. Okay, that's all very well if you have two batches of dough and you can compare this dough to another dough. But what happens if you don't have other dough? What do you do? It's the time you, you base it on the time it would take to work from Migdal Nunya to Tiberia. Mil, which is one mil. A mil is approximately a kilometer. And we always say that it takes 18 minutes to walk a meal, to walk a kilometer. Is a meal? No, wait, a meal? Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, a meal is about a kilometer, um, which takes, according to, we actually have three opinions. It's, I know the one we generally say is 18 minutes. That's the shortest one, so it's generally the strictest one, 18 minutes. Then there's another one, I think it's 20 and 22. Or 22 and 24, but it ranges from about 20 to uh, from 18 to 24 minutes. Um, the Gemara just asked, of oh, a name a meal, why don't you just say a meal? Why say the time it takes to walk from uh, Johannesburg to Pretoria? Just tell me it's the, the a meal. It says, the name a meal says, in the the meal migdal. It's coming to teach us that, by the way, if you ever want to know how long a meal is, it's the distance between Migdal and Nunya. Uh, Migdal Nunya up until Tiveria. Okay. Now, once we mention this um, meal distance and the time, let's just go with 18 minutes. Um, and that's where we get 18 minutes for dough. You, as soon as the dough is 18 minutes, then you assume that it's risen and it, it's leavened and it's now chomet. Um, interestingly enough, strictly speaking, that's only from when you stop kneading the dough. I have, as long as you're working with the dough, you're adding the water to the dough and you're kneading it and mixing it and playing with it, strictly speaking, it doesn't become chomet until you leave it. As soon as you like, let the dough sit, then you start timing the 18 minutes. I know when we make matzah, nowadays, they're very particular. They start counting from the second the water touches the dough. So I remember once... There's some who have the minag on Erev Pesach to make matzah. We used to, on Erev Pesach, in the afternoon, go and offer the Korban Pesach. So there's this, a minag some people have that instead of going to offer the Korban Pesach, they make the matzah for their Seder. So I was once in Israel and they were doing this down the road. So I went and uh, made matzah there and you watch them. They, but the second the, they t- at the second the water touches the dough, they start timing and they quickly they have this like... Uh, it was all done by hand there, um, but they have a spe- they have like a everyone standing in almost a human uh, conveyor. What's it? Uh, conveyor belt? Not that's not the right word. Like a human factory, the the kneaders they quickly knead and they pass it on to the next people who roll it out quickly, who split it into pieces, and the next people who roll it, and then the next people who put the sparks into it, and then the people who put it in the oven. But they do the whole thing within less than eighteen minutes. Okay, im ein. So that's the that's the meal, and that's the eighteen minutes by chometz. Um, 
Then Omar, once we mentioned that, we mentioned an, as, another few halachas. Omar Bivu, Omar Bishimon ben Lokesh, Le Gavel, regarding kneading dough, Ule Tfila, and regarding davening, it seems, with a minion, Ule Netilas Yedayim, and vassing hands before eating bread, Arba Milin, you have to be prepared to travel, four mil. Well, um, what's Le Gavel? So if you hire someone to knead dough for you, and he, he rocks up and he finds your your bowls that he needs to need, or the utensils he needs to make the dough, are Tomei, built into the contract, is that he has to be prepared to travel for meal to purify, to take it to the mikveh to purify it. As we said, if a meal is 18 minutes, then four meal would be 72 minutes. Um, so he has to say, regarding davening, we'll see short, and the others we'll see shortly. It says, Omar Avnachem by Yitzchak, Aivu Omra. It wasn't Rebbe Avuhu, it was Aivu. Va'arba Omar Bo, and he actually said there were four, not just Tfila Natila Sedayim and the Gavel Tfila Natila Sedayim, but add in Ovud regarding tanning. The Tnan, as we learned in the Mishnah, this is regarding certain hards that they were, the softer parts of the hard were actually considered food and they can become Tome. As soon as they've been processed enough that they're not food anymore, but now it's a leather hard, what we were, um, uh, then it's then it's not food and it won't be Thomas. He says, As soon as, if you've tanned these hearts, or you did, this part of the tanning process, they tohor. Except for human flesh. Human flesh doesn't become, human, heart, human skin doesn't become Tome. That's a different discussion for a different Gemara. Um, how far is Avuda? How far does one have to walk on this hard? For it to be considered um, that part of the processing that is not food anymore. Omar Rebi Omar Rebi Aivu Rebi Aivu says Omar Rebi Anai Kadei Hiluch Arba Milim the walking the time it takes to walk for mule. Okay, now just to clarify some of the points you mentioned. Omar Rebi Yosi Rebi Chanina Loishanu Ela Lefonov Aval Achrov Afilu Mule Eino Chazur. Rebi Yosi says this is specifically when you're going. When it's on your travels, when it's going ahead, but if you have to turn back and it's inconvenient, you don't even have to go back a meal. We learn from here that it's a meal you don't have to work backwards for, but you would have to go back less than a meal. So what he's referring to is we've got, what do we mean when we said you have to travel for meal to daven with a minion, or for Natilas Yadayim, to wash your hands before eating bread? That's if you're traveling. So let's say you're traveling, and you want to stop here. It's getting late, and you want to stop for the night. But you know that if you travel another four mil down the road, there's a, there's a city with a shul, and you can daven with a minion there. You would have to go those extra four mil. What happens if you pass the city way back that had a minion, and now you're wondering, should you stop for the night, or do you have to go back? So you don't have to inconvenience yourself to go back a meal, but if it's less than a meal, then you do have to inconvenience yourself. So too, you want to eat your sandwiches, you're driving, uh, you traveling on your way, and you want to eat your sandwiches, but you don't have water on you, how far do you have to be prepared to travel? Four meal ahead. So you want to eat your sandwich now? No, you have to wait. You have to travel a bit further. You have to travel further ahead up to four meal. Um, and so too, 
Um, and oh, what happens if you passed water and you don't really want to go back because it's you're traveling and it takes time from your journey? So no, yeah, up to a meal you have to be prepared to travel back, but not further than a meal. Um, just interesting. So two two questions to keep in mind. What about if you're at home? So you're sitting at home and you have to travel to a shul for. It's, let's just keep it simple and say Shabbos morning, you have to walk to shul. And the shul, the only shul, is uh, four mil away. Are you expected to tr- walk there? Like when you're traveling, it's convenient because it's ahead. Or are you not prepared to walk that far because it's, you're staying at home? So it's inconvenient to walk four mil away. Would it be by the one meal, like going backwards when you're traveling or not? That's one question. And another question to keep in mind, which is very practical to us. When we say these four meal, are we saying the distance? I have to be prepared to travel, guess, four kilometers or whatever the exact amount of a meal is. Or are we saying time-wise, you have to be prepared to travel for 72 minutes. Four meal, the time it takes to travel four meal, we would say 72 minutes. Um, so again, you're driving down to Durban, or you're driving, you're driving along the Garden Ridge, you're going to Cape Town, and you know you can get to the shul, but it's, it's uh, let's say, one hour away. So if you say you go after four mil, well, by car, you can do four kilometers in less than four minutes on the highway. So do you, are you only expected to travel four minutes, because that will be four mil? Or you're actually expected to travel for an hour and 12 minutes, 72 minutes, before you... Um, to daven with a minion. So that's something else to think about again. Do we go after um, the time or the distance? Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. How do you separate Chala from Tomei Do on Pesach? Why is it such a question? Why can't... So generally, you know, when you're baking dough, what do you do? You would separate the... You would make your batch of dough. You would separate some of the dough for the Kohen. And let's say it's Pesach. So you'd separate some of the dough for Chala. And then you would bake it all. And you'd give before it becomes Chomet. But on Yom Tov, if the dough is Tomei, you run into trouble. And Rashi points out there's the, the, three, the three issues. Firstly, on Yom Tov, you're only allowed to bake what you're going to eat. Chala has the same laws as Truma, and if it's Tomei, you're not allowed to eat it. So you still have to separate it, but you're not allowed, the Kohen, no one's allowed to eat this dough, because it's Tomei, this Chala, and therefore you can't, can you, you can't bake it on Yom Tov, because you can't bake something that you can't eat on Yom Tov. Second point is, you can't leave it till after Yom Tov to burn, because it will turn Chomet in the interim. You're baking your matzah for, for Yom Tov morning, and uh, if you leave this challah that you can't, you can't bake it, so you maybe want to leave it till after Yom Tov, we'll turn chomet. And thirdly, you're not allowed to, dis- so why don't you burn it on Yom Tov, destroy it, use it as part of the fuel to burn your, to cook your other bread. So there's an issue of burning kodshim on Shabbos and Yom Tov. That's a drosha elsewhere, but you're not allowed to do that. So your hands are tied. Again, you've got this tomato dough that you're making into matzah, and you have to separate challah, what are you going to do with that challah? So we're going to have three, three different tanaim with their solutions. Rebeleza says, first bake it, then designate it as challah. Because if you first bake it, then you're baking bread that you could eat, 
and only afterwards you're calling it challah. Rabbi Ben Besaira, Omer Ben Besaira says, Tatil Betsoinen. He says, put it in cold water. And you put it in cold water, that will stop it rising. It won't cook it, but it will stop it rising. And then you can leave it till after Yom Tov and dispose of it in a mutar way after Yom Tov. Again, Rabbi Lez is not happy with this because it's not necessarily going to be effective. You might still end up with chomets. And Omer Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, um, this is not chomets that you warned against transgressing, seeing it or finding it in your in your possession. Why not? Because the only you're only liable for your chomets or someone's chomets that you're looking after for them. Now this chala is not your chomets because it belongs to the kohanim, and you're not looking after it for a specific coin or and it belongs to no specific coin because. Until you actually give it to a coin, it belongs to all kohanim. So therefore, you don't transgress. Bal yorovali matza elam afrishoso. Separate the chala umenicho ad ha'erev and just leaving. Ve'imich mitzeh mitzeh. Who cares if it becomes chometz? It becomes chometz. So those are the three solutions in the Mishnah. The two main solutions the Gemara is going to discuss now is Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua holds that is not that you're not responsible for this chala, and it doesn't matter if it becomes chometz. Rabbi Eliezer is clearly concerned that this challah will become chometz, and therefore it's as if you own it, and you will transgress having chometz on Pesach. So, let's suggest they arguing in the concept of tovas hano. What's that? What's tovas hano? Tovas hano is granted the owner is not allowed to charge the coin to give him this challah. He has to give it to a kohen. He can receive money. Rashi gives an example for a grandfather whose daughter married a kohen. So now his grandson's a kohen. So, so he might, looking out of the interests of his grandson, this Yisrael will pay this um, baker to give his chala to his grandson. Now that amount, how much is that worth? Okay, it's a token and amount, it's a little bit. But this dough is worth something. Is worth something. It's worth this theoretical amount that this owner could charge a person to give it to the kohen that that person chooses. So he says, so lame, but Tavas Hanor come and fliggy. They're arguing in how to view Tavas Hanor. The Rebeleza, so the Tavas Hanor Mammon. Rebeleza holds it's considered your Mammon. So this dough has a value to you, therefore it's your money, and therefore you're responsible if it becomes Chomets on Pesach. Rebbe Yeshua Sova, Tavas Hanor Aino Mammon. Rebbe Yeshua says it's not considered your Mammon. It's not considered your property, and therefore, if it, it doesn't matter if it becomes chometz, because it's not your you having chometz. That's the first. Um, that's a celeste, um, the first uh, suggestion. And Moses says, "Law, not necessarily." The kuli amud sovri tovas hanor ain't a mammon. Everyone holds tovas hanor is not considered mammon. Just because theoretically someone would pay you a few rand to give this dough to their son, to their grandson, that doesn't make it your dough. That doesn't. It's not real. Mammon is not considered your property. Also, then what are they arguing? Again, why does Rabbi Eliezer hold it is your chomets and you're not allowed to let this challah become chomets? Whereas Rabbi Yeshua says it's not yours, it belongs to the Kohanim in general and therefore it doesn't belong to any specific person, therefore it doesn't matter if it becomes chomets. What are they arguing in? It says, They're arguing in ho'il. I'll come back to what ho'il is, but let's just see. The Rabbi Eliezer Sovaram Rinon ho'il. Uh, let's say what Hoyle is now. So what's Hoyle? 
Paul is, since it could be changed, we take that into account. What could be changed? What factor? What about this scenario could theoretically be changed? And therefore, we have to take it into consideration. So the Gomorrah is going to say, but I just said outside. Anytime you designate something orally, which it's the same as a netter. So obviously, if you took a netter, I take a netter X. Or you designate something as truma. You designate this dough as chala. It's considered a neder. Any designation by mouth is considered a neder. You can go to a sage or to three people and get your neder annulled. So this chala that you separated as chala, granted strictly speaking as chala, if it becomes chomets, it's not a problem because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to kohanim. And... It doesn't belong to a Kohen, so no Kohen transgresses having it. So strictly speaking, however, you could get your neder annulled. This that you declared that piece of dough, um, this that you declared that piece of dough, um, chala, could be undone. You can go to a Chochom and say, look, I, I didn't mean to take that neder, etc., etc., He'll find a reason and say, okay, so it's not chala anymore. Who owns it then if it's not chala anymore? It reverts to tevil, which is property of the owner. So let's see that. So again, what's ha'il? Ha'il is that the scenario could theoretically change and you have to take that into account. And here the question at hand is, you could get this that you made it chala undone. So granted, when you made it chala, and if it is actually chala, it's not yours, and you don't transgress having chomets on Pesach. But you could get your neder annulled, and take the designation of chala off it, and then it reverts to being your dough. And therefore, theoretically, hoil, since it could become your dough, we have to view it, do we take that into account, and view it as if it is your dough. So let's just see the Gomorrah fleshes that out. The Rebelez is Sovram Rinan hoil. Rebelezus holds, we do say hoil. Ve'i boy itchel olo, and since he could get his neder, his designation annulled, mamuna who? It is his property. And we say hoil. Since this is chala, but since he could get this, that it's considered chala taken off it, and it's regular, his dough, we say that, and therefore, he's not allowed to let it become chomet. Rebbe Yeshua savor, lo omrinon hoil, and Rebbe Yeshua holds, we do not say hoil. What, you're telling me, theoretically, this is chala now, and therefore it's not his. Oh, theoretically, he could get his neder and out, and we don't have to worry about that. Um, just two points Rashi asks. First question Rashi asks on Rebbe Lezer is, so we still have the problem, we said you can't bake something on Yom Tov that you can't eat. So when Rabbi Eliezer says, take all the dough, bake it, and then take one of the matzahs as challah, still, how can he bake all the dough when some of it is not going to be eaten on Yom Tov? You're only allowed to bake what you can eat on Yom Tov. So he answers, Rashi answers, I mean, there are a few different ways of learning, but let's just go to Rashi. Rashi answers, look, at the end of the day, you could say on each part of the dough that you're baking, each of the matzahs that you're baking, you can say, you know what, I plan on eating this one, I plan on eating this one, I plan on eating this one, as you're putting them into the oven. And therefore, when you bake them all, they all could be eaten. And then only afterwards, and it, and it doesn't change it retroactively, it is undone. Um, a second question
Yeah, let's leave the second question Rashi asked. But that's this concept of Ho'il. We say that Rabbi Eliezer holds for Ho'il. Since the scenario could change, you have to take it into account. Therefore, since this Chala could revert back to Tevil if you get your Neder annulled, we have to say that it is yours, and therefore you're not allowed, uh, not allowed to let it become Chomet. So you bake it all at once, and afterwards you separate some of the... Um, one of the matzahs or whatever as challah. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, we don't say whole. You don't have to take into account this change in scenario, this unlikely possibility that would change. And therefore, if you separate the challah, it's, it's fine. Or it will turn, you can't bake it now because it can't be eaten on Yom Tov because it's tome, And it's going to become chomets. It doesn't matter. Because it's not your chomets. It's not yours. Um, yeah, so that's Rabbi Yeshua. Interesting enough, Rashi points out that Rabbi Yeshua also argues in the fact, why doesn't Rabbi Yeshua just let you bake it and then separate the challah? Granted, you don't have to be worried about ha'il, but why don't you just bake it all and then separate it? And then you don't even have to worry at all, ever, um, about it. So he says Rabbi Yeshua doesn't allow you to bake um, all the bread, when some of it definitely won't be eaten, you're not allowed to bake all the bread on Yom Tov. The Gomorrah is now going to give another example where this machloikas of hoil makes a difference. Again, what are we saying hoil? Since the circumstance, since the, the situation could change, we take it in, do we take that possible change into account? So Itmar, it was said, Ha'oifemi Yom Tov lechol Rav Chizda Omer Loike. If you bake on Yom Tov, for the for a weekday, Rav Chizda says you get lashes. Rabba Omer ain't no loike. Rabba says you do not get lashes. Rav Chizda Omer loike lo amrin and hoil umiklele orchim chazile. Rav Chizda says we can't say since visitors might arrive, it's fine to bake it. And Rav Omer ain't no loike. Rav says you do, he does not get lashes amrin and hoil because we can't say hoil. I. In other words, um. Again, you're not allowed to, you're only allowed to bake or cook on Yom Tov what you're going to eat on Yom Tov. So what happens, you've had your Yom Tov lunch. You've had the last food you plan on eating for Yom Tov. When you bake food, it's the most likely for the next day. But it could happen since visitors could arrive and then you'll need that extra bread or that extra cake or that extra food that you cooked. So contra Chizda, you can't say Ha'il. Because watch, you're allowing me to bake now on Yom Tov when you have no plans on eating it since Ho'il visitors Matarav says that's not, you can't say that. Rabbi says, no, you can say Ho'il. Since you can bake now, as long as there's time left in the afternoon that visitors Matarav and might need this food, you can bake now. You can say Ho'il. That's the difference. And just one question is, so we, there's a Machlokes Beis Shammah Beis Hilo. We know... Um, it seems from here that you're definitely not allowed to bake unless you plan on eating. Now, we know on Yom Tov you're allowed to cook. But there's a Machlokas Beis and Beis Hilo Beis say you're only allowed to cook. You're not allowed to do anything else, which would make this Isu Doraisa. Beis Hilal say that no. Mitoshe hutra l'tzorech hutra nami l'tzorech. Once you're allowed to cook for because it's essential, for, sorry, l'tzorech for Yom Tov, you're also allowed to cook or make a fire for other purposes. So, contra of why would you get lashed anyway? 
once we Paskin like base Hillel, that once you're allowed to cook for Yom Tov, you're allowed to cook for other purposes. Or once you're allowed to, that's, that's all these malachas. Once you're allowed to carry on Yom Tov, you're allowed to carry, uh, on Yom Tov, the Torah allows you to carry food. You're going out for lunch, you can carry some food with you. Um, on Yom Tov, Beis Hillel says, since you're allowed to carry for food, you're allowed to carry for other reasons. You can carry your siddur to shul, you can carry your child to shul, etc. Once you're allowed to do the malach of carrying, even though, strictly speaking, you're allowed to do the malach of carrying for food, you're also allowed to carry for other reasons. So why would, base, why would Rav Chizda say you get lashes here? Tosfos elsewhere answer that, this is not our Rashi answers, but Tosfos is easier, that still has to have something to do with Yom Tov. This that we say, since you're allowed to carry for food, you're allowed to carry for any reason. Or since you're allowed to cook, to have food on Yom Tov, you're allowed to cook for any reason. It still has to have a slight reason that it is, it still has to be at least for Yom Tov a little bit. So again, so if you've had your Yom Tov meal, you don't plan on eating anymore, the only excuse to cook, you're not allowed to cook for the following day. You're not allowed to cook on Yom Tov for the next day. But it should be, can you not say, Hoel, since visitors might arrive, I need to cook now. So, Amalei Rabbe, Rabbe Chizda, Rabbe Chanin Rabbe Chizda, he says, According to you, who says you're not allowed to bake in case visitors arrive, Hoel, you don't say, Hoel, how can you bake on Yom Tov for Shabbos? We know you're allowed to prepare your food on Yom Tov for Shabbos. How can you not? So, Amalei, Mishum Eruvei Tavshilin. He says, because of Eruvei Tavshilin. If you make an Eruvei Tavshilin, you put it, you start preparing your Yom Tov meal, your Shabbos meal on Erev Yom Tov, then you're allowed to prepare on Friday for Shabbos. What do you mean? You're telling me that this Zerid Rabbonin that you can make an uh, Eruv Tavshilin would allow an Isu Doraisa. According to you, Rav Chizda Doraisa, you're not allowed to cook for the next day because you can't say Hoyl. How can you come along and cook on, you make an Eruv Tavshilin and all of a sudden you're allowed to cook on Yomta for the next day? That doesn't make sense. So on Malay, Rav Chizda says, No, me Doraisa Tzorchei Shabbos Nasim B'Yomtev. According to Torah, the Torah, you're allowed to prepare on Yom Tov for Shabbos. And you're not allowed to prepare on Yom Tov for a Wednesday, for the next Wednesday, Yom Tov's, Yom Tov's on Tuesday. You're not allowed to prepare for Wednesday. That's your, but if Yom Tov's on Friday, Doris, you're allowed to prepare for Shabbos. And the rabbis came along and made Xayra, no, you're not allowed to prepare on Friday for Shabbos. Because they might say, oh, you're allowed to prepare on Yom Tov for the next day. Which, if it's not a Friday, which if it's not for Shabbos, it's an Isu Doraisa. And therefore the rabbis came along and required you to make an Eruv Tashilin, so there's a Heker. I, the rabbis came along and said, Zaira, you're not allowed to break on Friday for, on Yom Tov for Shabbos. You're not allowed to cook on, on Friday, which is Yom Tov, for the following day, which is Shabbos. But that's the Rabbonic Zera. But they did say, if you make an Eruv Tavshilin, if you make a clear recognition that it's specifically for Shabbos, and I'm doing it, and I'm allowed to do it, then you are allowed to do it. So really, so again, Rav Chizda holds that baking on Shabbos for Yom Tov is only, on Yom Tov for Shabbos is only also the Rabbonin, and therefore an Eruv Tavshilin could help. Says Aceve Rabbit challenges Rabchizda again. Bahema Musukenes Lo Yishkoit Elokadechel Maimeno Kazai Sklimi Boodjom. If you have an animal that's going to die, you're not allowed to shecht it unless you're going to eat a kazais of it roasted while it is still Yomtev. Again, you're allowed to shecht on Yomtev. But again, you're only allowed to shecht on Yomtev if it's for Yomtev. You can't shecht on Yomtev for the next day. 
Um, now it says, now if you have a, an animal that's misukenes, it's going to die. You want to shecht it. Why do you want to shecht it? Because if you leave it, it's going to be, to die. if it just dies, it's going to die. It dies without shechit, it's an avail and you can't eat it. You lose a lot of money. So you're going to want to shecht it. So he says, if it's yomtev, you're allowed to shecht it as long as you will eat a kazais of it roasted while it's still day. Yochel echel afalkab de lo boile meichal. Is it, now it says, if you're able to eat it, even if you don't want to eat it. I, the price regarding shechting this animal, it says as long as you would be able to eat from it. It doesn't say that you're actually going to eat from it. It says as long as you would be able to eat from it. So it says, Rabbi says, it makes sense according to me who says hoil. Since if you want to eat it, you could eat it. Therefore, you're allowed to shecht it now. Because even though you don't plan on eating, you can shecht it now, since you might want to eat it. But according to Rabbi Chizdu, he says, we don't say hoil. How can you shecht it? You can't shecht it. Let's say you've had your lunch. So according to Rabbi, it's fine. You might or you've already prepared your meat for lunch. According to Rabbi, since you could change your mind and decide to eat it, hoil, since you could change your mind, it's fine, you can shecht it. But according to you, Rabkizda, we don't say hoil. So how are you allowed to shecht this animal just with the possibility that you might eat from it? So it says, no, Amalemishum Hefseb Mamoina because of the monetary loss. The rabbis went lenient because, sorry, the Torah comes along and says, you're right, you're not allowed to shecht this animal on Yom Tov if you don't plan on eating it. But since there's a monetary loss, they allow you to shecht it. So a uh, because of hefted money, because you, you, because of a monetary loss, you're allowed to go against the Torah? That doesn't make sense. Again, the Torah comes along and tells me I'm not allowed to shecht on Yom Tov if I don't plan on eating it. That's what the Torah says. You're not allowed to shecht on Yom Tov unless you don't plan on eating it. Comes along Rav Chizda and says, no, because there's a monetary loss, you're allowed to do it. Oh, so we don't say that. We don't say you're not allowed to uh, travel or to work on. You're not allowed to work on Shabbos. Ah, oh, if there's a monetary loss, you're going to lose out the business deal. You're allowed to travel on uh, Shabbos. We never say, oh, because there's a monetary loss, you can go against the Isur Doraisa. Sometimes the rabbis are lenient by Isur Doraisa, but by Doraisa, you can't go against the Torah just because you might lose money. So Amalayim. He says, yes, no, that's, um, you misunderstood me, but yes, because of a hefzeh, mishum hefzeh mamona, gomar belibo lechom kazais. He will decide in his heart, conclusively, to eat a kazais. Yeshala kazais, poso below yishchita. And it's impossible to do a kazai, to, to have even a kazais of meat, unless you shecht the whole animal. I mean, you can't, you can't take a kazai, you can't get a kazai from an animal, so you need to shed the whole animal, even if you only plan on having a kazai. What's he saying in other words? What's Rav Chizda saying? An amazing idea. He's saying, no, I know that if I don't shed this animal now, it's going to die and I'm going to lose all the money because it's an avela. I won't be able to eat any of the meat. I won't be able to sell any of the meat because it's going to be an avela. Or it's not, I will be able to sell some of it to a non-Jew or for animal food, but it's a huge loss. A food As food, it's much more valuable. So he says, so Rabbi Chizna says, he knows that. He knows that he's not allowed to shecht it on Yom Tov unless he plans on eating something. Since, even though he's had lunch, since he knows he's going to lose out all his money, he has in mind that I'm going to eat from it. 
and it's such a and he and he's definitely going to eat from it because he doesn't want to lose all the money. He's only allowed a shechter on Yom Tov if he will eat from it. So he makes gomar belibo. He makes a resolute decision that he's going to eat it. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. We'll continue with this discussion tomorrow.